You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the group think, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to the Conservative Conscience here at Conservative Review's Northern Command. It is very late on Thursday, April 11th, and I apologize for being late today. I really didn't even think I would have time to put anything out, and, and I still might have to cut things short. But I wasn't even planning on talking about immigration today. I really wanted to take a day off, talk about some of our energy miracles taking place. I have an article out today on that. But I was busy all day, of course, with immigration, being bounced back and forth with agencies trying to get the truth. And I wanted to just give over to you some of what is going on, some of what I'm hearing, some of what is still a supposition of mine. But I cannot put in writing because, look, you know, I want to be accurate. As you well know, I'm not a journalist. Unlike others, I don't lie and call myself one. I am a conservative activist. Albeit, I try to be very thorough and detailed and get things right. And I hope people of all stripes, and I know we do have non-conservative listeners who appreciate the fact that we do try to be detail-oriented and... um, you know, not just get involved in the drama and the politics. So I want to get things right. And sometimes when I have the wrong assertion, I want to get that corrected. And sometimes it doesn't mean that I'm not right on the policy and it's as severe as I say it is. It just, it might be a, a slightly different angle. So I want to try to get certain things nailed down today. And I've spent all day bouncing back and forth, talking to people on the phone, trying to get official confirmation through press channels of the latest trends at the border. And before I just give you over two of my concerns, which I've said before, but they really bother me now. Meaning I think it's worse than we even thought. I just want to give over the fact that We have three separate agencies dealing with all this. Demonstrates the absurdity once and for all of what we did after 9-11, creating the Department of Homeland Security. It is unbelievable that you have the border bifurcated, the responsibility for trying to deal with this invasion between Border Patrol, ICE, and USCIS. And each one only sees a sliver of the story. Each one gets its political legal orders and they're getting the wrong legal advice. And you get the lowest common denominator of each one's thing. It's like, well, this is not my problem. Well, like, well, why aren't you deporting them? Well, ICE does the deportation. Well, why isn't it being given over to them that these are eligible for deportation and why are they releasing them if they're not even asserting a credible fear, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. And then, so just from a reporter standpoint, I need to fill in the gaps and get earnest um, reporting, earnest feedback and data from all three agencies at every level. And I know I made this point before, but it's worth reiterating that The fact that it's a nightmare from a reporter's standpoint to just get the facts of what's going on, I said to myself, holy heck, what do you think this means from an operational standpoint? If in order to deal with what's going on, each one doesn't even have the information that the other one deals with, much less the legal authority to deal with it. So there's one thing if, you know, DHS doesn't have, you know, the information on stuff going on at HUD. But, I mean, we're talking about all border-oriented agencies, all housed under one department, the Department of Homeland Security, 
and they don't know anything. It just really shocked me at how each thing they can only give me and then each one says, no, this is, you have to get this from CBP. I'm like, well, CBP told me to come to you, USCIS. Well, no, we don't have anything. Um, it is just the whole thing is such a dumpster fire. It is such a dumb dumpster fire. It truly is out of control. Now, just so you know what I what I've been dealing with, there's two things I'm trying to get to the bottom of. And I know they're true. I'm trying to quantify the magnitude and exactly the details. So I can't write anything, but you'll be the first to to hear this. We're always at the cutting edge here, and you're going to be the first to hear this. I'm just going to trace my steps, just telling you about my day and what I've been trying to research, because that in itself is newsworthy. So one of, one of the things I noticed from the March border numbers is that there were 30,000 single adults that were apprehended. And I said to myself, wait a minute. I know we're talking about the family units, and that's certainly the lion's share. But that's a that's a heck of a lot of people that are single adults. I mean, the whole point was that, you know, more or less the traditional migration kind of stopped a couple of years ago. And then it started these Central Americans first the they were coming as teens. Now that we have the courts opening up further loopholes, the parents could let get let go with them, so they come with them. And but more or less the single adult Mexican males have have stopped. But I looked and I saw the 30,000 number and I said, wait a minute, that's a 30% increase just since February. There's something funny going on there. That tells me that there's a huge magnet for um, adult males to come over. And, and again, if you look in the data, and CBP did do a better job of posting this data, it appears that most of them are from Mexico, not from Central America. And I said to myself, wait a minute. Have we come to the point where this open invitation of bogus asylum that we are treating as mandatory and we're treating like Amelia Bedelia, like we have to deal with this somehow, has it gotten to such a point where even adult males without kids are now coming and saying it and even from Mexico, where we know, you know, we haven't treated that as asylum. Now, without a kid, you'll say, well, they could still be detained for more than 20 days. But maybe because we have so many that are coming with kids, it jams up the facilities, both um, CBP's holding facilities, which are very small and you know not robust, and as well as ICE's bigger ones. And therefore, therefore, uh, de facto, they're being released too. And that's been happening for a couple months. And that has now sent the message back that, you know what? Even if you don't have a kid, you might have a good shot at coming in. So I sent in a request to CBP saying, hey, you know, I noticed this big increase. It looks like there might be a magnet there. Do you have a lot of single adults surrendering and declare, you know, asserting a credible fear as well. And, you know, are they also being released or are they being detained or are they being deported? Are they, you know, you know, are they being deported? The whole thing that we've all been saying is that um, somehow Central American families, uh, the law doesn't apply to them. Somehow the law doesn't apply to them, which, you know, is wrong that, oh, no, they, they can't be deported. But the single adult Mexicans, of course, they could be repatriated within a few hours. So, I mean, are we repatriating them? Are we returning them? Or are they also declaring credible fear? That's what I wanted to know, right? Because may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it could be that just the fact that you see the numbers, it means they were apprehended, but they were apprehended and then they were deported. So that is... Um, that 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 is what I put in there. First, this guy blew me off, you know. Whoever answered, but then someone else chimed in, you know, because the emails go out to a few people when you email the press, you know, the media, generic media contact info. 
And one guy says, do you have time to call me? And I was like, yes, finally, someone's willing to talk to me off the record. Okay. So I talked to this guy and, and he's not, let's just say he's not just a press person. Okay. He, he's a serious field guy and with a lot of experience and knows what's going on. And he basically, when I put the questions to him, he said, no, it's the exact opposite that's going on. And I know I asserted that on the, on yesterday's show, but what he told me is even more disturbing. So first of all, with the adult males, he's like, no, they're, they're, they're not really, you know, very few of them are claiming asylum. And these are just the people that are coming in, not trying to get, interdicted they're trying to sneak in traditionally the way they did these are the ones we catch and he told me just just as an aside he is most concerned about this trend so what while we're focusing on family members fa families from central america and that's certainly very problematic more and more you have single adult mexicans and and you know when you see that again it means a lot of cartel people coming in and um it was hard to get clear to him how many you know, so obviously the next question is, okay, so they're not asylum, they're traditional illegals, so we're deporting them, right? Well, I don't know anything because that's ICE's department. Now, again, I'm not bashing him that 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 is true, but I'm just saying that's that's how dumb this whole thing is. So, you know, I have a request into them. I have 50 million requests, and at some point they just blow me off because they don't want to deal with me anymore. And this is the problem. It's very hard to get people to, to talk with you. Um, I have some good contacts dealing with interior deportations. But as you very well know, ICE does two different things, right? They have ICE at the border where they detain and hold those apprehended by Border Patrol in order to either deport or or the other way or to if they're going to get some sort of an amnesty or application for asylum. But, you know, they're initially held by ICE. Um, and then, you know, if, if not, they're given over to USCIS for asylum, if they're going in the other direction, if they're getting deported, then ICE does the deportation. So Border Patrol, just they're just like catch and that's it. So I would sure hope we're deporting all these people. Now it's complicated. Some of them we want to refer for criminal prosecution. So we're not deporting them right away because we want to prosecute them. So I have no way of quantifying that, but that that's with that. that, that that's just the first thing I thought you should know. The, the next point is, then I said to him, oh, okay, so they're not, um, you know, trying to apply for asylum. So I said, so you mean all the credible fear is still coming only from the family units? And I think we're kind of talking past each other for a couple of minutes until it became clear. He told me, Daniel, he said, I am not authorized to release this. And he gave me a number. I will not give you a number because I'm not allowed to do that. And he can get in trouble, even though I'm not saying the name of the person. But he told me that out of 103,000 illegals apprehended this past month, quote, a very small percentage, very, very small percentage are asserting a credible fear to Border Patrol. Now, that doesn't mean that some aren't doing it at a later stage once they're sent to ICE. And again, this is the problem that any question I have on any aspect of this, both anecdotal, data, policy, I have to get all three agencies at each stage, right? They first apprehended by Border Patrol, given over to ICE to hold or deport or to give to USCIS for credible fear interviews. Now, I want to. I want you to understand the magnitude of this, if my supposition is correct. M most people, and I'm assuming you guys thought this too. Now, I've already been onto this for a couple of months, and I'm going to explain why. And maybe I might have even said it before. But most of you get the impression that the scam that's going on is that everyone. In the, in the world is coming to the border and saying, ha, 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 credible fear. You got to let me in. And then if I have a kid, you got to, you know, release me and yada, yada. 
that might have been what initially catalyzed this magnet and the flow. But the severe numbers of what happened the last couple of months, it appears that that's not what's happening at this point. I put the question to him. I said, look, I, I said, I always found it funny that when you look at the El Paso fence and there's a couple hundred of them behind there and Border Patrol goes and gets them, I never understood what they're yelling 300 in unison, credible fear in Spanish. And he laughs. He's like, no, we're instructed not to say anything. And they usually don't say anything either. We just, they're being given legal guidance to just bring in and process on anyone who comes. That's basically what's happening now. They're processing anyone and everyone, even though probably less than 10% are even asserting a credible fear. Forget about the fact that it's a fraud and it's prima facie an invasion. We don't have to do it and it's discretionary. And even beyond that, the president could shut it down and we could block them from coming in and we could hold them in 10 cities and deport them. Put, the, put, put all that aside, the misreading of law and everything. Put all of that aside. They're not even asserting it, and we're not even making them for, for, force the issue. That's how deferential we're being. I'll tell you how I... Now, look, this is just one agent. And granted, he's in California, which is not experiencing the thrust of the flow, which is more in Texas. So that is a caveat. But I will tell you that I noticed this in independently without talking to him. And Art Arthur of Center for Immigration Studies wrote a column on this, kind of also with this supposition that, wait a minute, are people even asserting it? Are we just downright releasing anyone who comes now who's not even you know, declaring? Because you understand, if you come here illegally and you're not even asking for credible fear you should be immediately placed in expedited removal, period. I mean, it's it's very simple. Now, this is part of the problem because they're given over to ICE, so I really need to then ask ICE this question. Do you have like two piles of people, the people you refer to USCIS who claim credible fear, and what about all the people who are in credible fear? But it is very clear, based on what he tells me, that if at the front end they're not even asserting it to Border Patrol, both Border Patrol and ICE, and I want to get to Border Patrol in a minute, are releasing tens of thousands of people into this country who are regular illegal aliens. I mean, they all are. But who aren't even asserting a credible fear. Remember, the, the coming with a child doesn't make you any different just in terms of the court order not to keep detain them for more than 20 days. The Flores Settlement. But in, it doesn't entitle you to be let in the country. That's the first step. If you have a credible fear and then you add that credible fear to Flores, you get that. But if you don't have a credible fear, then you just immediately should be put in expedited removal. Why aren't you being removed? But no, they're being released. So how do I know that, that this is pretty much in the ballpark of what's being true with a couple of caveats? And again, Art Arthur was onto this as well, and I, I, I want to talk to him. But a while back, I was studying USCIS data. And you all know this big backlog of asylum claims, the immigration court backlog was 830,000. And we were saying that last year, and then we had this year. And you know that we're saying fiscal year tw uh, um, 2019, there's been a 370% increase in family units. And everything we thought was crazy in 2018, 2019 is blown out of the water. Okay, right? Blown out of the water. The overall numbers are more than double. The family units are almost quadruple. So I had a supposition. I said, wait a minute. I wanted to put out a graph showing people both the um, increase in asylum claims and the increase in the court backlog. I was like, wait a minute, if it was 830,000 uh, before this big flow in the caravans, then my gosh, it's got to hit a million. And I wanted to put out a headline, you know, look, I got to earn clicks too. So, you know, if I could have a catchy headline 
and um, and speak the truth too. It's it's better. So as you can say, hey, look, we hit a million. And then I saw at EOR, which is Department of Justice's website for immigration claims, it more or less stayed the same. And then I found USCIS data. I don't have February and March, which is the biggest influx, but I have through January, which, which is the first four months of fiscal year 2019, right? Uh, October, no, uh, November, December, January. And I'm like, wait a minute. It was a high baseline, and we're continuing the high baseline from the last number of five years with, with credible fear interviews, but they show the number of interviews. And in 2018, we had 99,000 credible fear claims. It just blew the record out of the water. Unbelievable. Unbelievable for one year to have that. I was like, this year, we're probably on pace for two, 300,000 based on what's going on, right? I mean, you see the numbers. There's been, you know, just this fiscal year, like 200,000 family units. So, right, all the family units are, are asylum, right? And I look at the numbers, and they're more or less the same trajectory. So, for the first four months, if you would add it up, it's like 35,000, okay? So, that's annualized like 105,000 instead of 99. Thousand. So I'm like, wait a minute. We're still averaging about 8,000 or so a month. Now, again, caveat, I would like to see February and March, would re- which would really kind of nail this thesis. But even then, it was already a lot. And like, it was a lot more than that time the previous fiscal year. Why are the numbers not that much more? And, and that's where a lot of us were wondering, are they even asserting credible fear? I mean, beyond a certain percent. And we have just so waved the white flag that we have just abolished the INA, the immigration laws. And like anyone who comes, we just feel we need to get and process because we don't have room, we just release. Because if that is the case, you can never even write laws that are, um, you know, Laws that are clear enough to stop this. You just can't do it. It's obvious. But moreover, there's something more serious here, which is there's the problem is this. There's one thing if you for what's our whole point? Our whole point is that they need to empower Border Patrol to the first second, vet out their claims and deny them right on the spot and and deport them. Right away you deport them. Unless they say, oh, I want to appeal. Okay, then the clock starts, you get seven days and you're out. And that's it. And we should be able to get them out under the florist's um, limit. And that's aside from the fact that they need to get rid of florists, which they can do, but that's a separate story. And that's what would happen. But if you're going to go and let them go and not even force them to fish or cut bait, even if theoretically we wanted to get all these families over the next number of months, then by then the lawyers will just tell them all to assert a credible fear, and then the clock will start then. See what I'm saying? They won't even be deportable. We're releasing them on dubious grounds. I mean, it is unbelievable what has happened to our laws. That's my supposition. That we are downright not even not even holding them. Not even holding those we can hold and deporting those we can. But if I am right, you look at those numbers, 8,000 credible fear interviews, 57,000 family units, 100,000 total. Something's fishy there. Something's very fishy. Again, you could say, I mean, look, Border Patrol, this guy confirmed to me that very few are asserting it. Now you could say, well, maybe they're, um, maybe they're asserting it when they're in ICE custody. But then you would see that in the USCIS adjudication numbers, that it would be in the pipeline there. They referred them to them. So we're just helter-skelter releasing them. I mean, 
ICE has released, I don't know how many, 150,000 just since December 22nd. Something like that. I don't know the exact numbers. I'm just estimating because it was about 115, you know, maybe maybe a week or two ago. Um, I mean, if you say in total since the beginning of the fiscal year, it's, you know, it could be easily, easily over 200,000 being released. And then Border Patrol is directly releasing too. Meaning what's starting to happen is some days in some parts, depending on the sector, this is more so in, in El Paso and Rio Grande Valley in Texas, they don't have enough time to even hold them enough for ICE to put, get them in their larger facilities where they could hold them a little longer without before doing catch and release. And they're just straight up doing catch and release within 24, 48 hours. So that is... um. That's what's going on there. Something is really, really fishy there. So that's the first thing I'm working on. Why is our government... Why do we have to get them? Why do we have to process them? Why don't we just say we're closed for business? Meaning it's not just that we're not that we're turning we're not turning down bogus asylum claims we're treating everyone like an asylum even when they don't even assert it and evidently like there's one thing if like 90% assert it and we can't sort them out so we just like bring them all in it seems like it's a small percentage if i am wrong i will come back to you and that's why i'm not writing this yet but i just want you to know i have enough to go on from what I'm seeing from several different angles and steps of this process that are that raise a very concerning question. But it also demonstrates the dumpster fire of each agency because it's like Border Patrol should be like, yeah, like they're like, we don't control, you know, the determinations. What do you want us to do? But I'm like, I understand that. If they assert it, you turn them over to USAS and I need to go to them for my complaints about, you know, you approving them. I get that. But you're telling me they're not asserting it. So if you're not asserting it, then they should be deported. Well, they don't deport. They turn over to ICE. So, I mean, it's something I really need to ask ICE. And I, I just, I mean, geez, very hard for to find people to work with conservative media. They'll work with liberal media any day of the week. So that's where that stands. Think about everything I just told you. And now I want to work on my second supposition which I've told you before, but I want to explain it based on my conversation with this Border Patrol agent, how severe it is. Health, communicable, communicable diseases, health con- concerns. Um, Sorry, just choking up there. Uh, since our colonial times, it has been a bedrock principle of this nation that we do not let in people where there is any shred of a possibility that they could expose Americans to communicable diseases. Okay, that, w- that was an ironclad rule. Ironclad rule. Forever, I was always wondering how this is not a problem. When you have people prima facie coming from countries that are saturated, I mean saturated with diseases. Okay? Chickenpox, lice, skin infections, hepatitis, chagas, dengue fever, chikungunya, Zika, malaria, tuberculosis. All this stuff they have. Here's what we know. So, so, but, 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 nonetheless, and uh, sorry, uh, just stepping on myself there. Until now, it hasn't been that much of a massive flow. So it was more controlled catch and release. It was like the UACs. So the teenagers were all sent over to ORR, which is run by HHS, and they have all the healthcare stuff, and they give them all the vaccinations, and they hold them long enough that they're screened. So by the time they resettle them in our country. They're going to be a public charge. 
They're going to be MS-13 members, a lot of them. But you know they're not spreading diseases. Now, I always question that. Really, like we could really count on them. You take them out of the jungles of Central America and you hold them a little bit and there's nothing for us to worry about, but fine. Fast forward to today and we are told that ICE is releasing them within 72 hours. Sometimes Border Patrol is releasing them without even turning them over to ICE. There's no HHS involved in the process. So wait a minute. We know they have all these diseases there. We know in September of last year, Honduras declared a mumps outbreak. We know there's 200 cases of mumps in ICE detention facilities in ICE. We know Border Patrol has said in their press releases that almost all of these diseases I mentioned, tuberculosis, chickenpox, hepatitis, had been seen and treated and sent to our hospitals. So our hospitals have been exposed. We know this. It is my thesis, and I've told you this five times, was that it's inconceivable that they are doing everything they need to be doing within 24 hours now. Now that you have this degree of catch and release with this number of people, I'm like, you're coming directly, directly from places without vaccinations, right? I mean, that's obvious. Again, I'm going to read to you testimony from this was earlier this week what's his name uh Randy Howe he's the executive director for operations of office of field operations for US customs and border P- protection and he said many migrants travel north from countries where poverty and disease are rampant and their health can be aggravated by the physical toll of the journey journey in many cases they arrive at our southern border already exhibiting symptoms of a health issue those we encounter, we may have may have never seen a doctor, received immunizations, or lived in sanitary conditions. So, and Macalinan said a similar thing. So we we get that clear. Indigenous population coming from rural Honduras, rural Guatemala, the worst concerns. You're admitting no vaccines, no healthcare, nothing. So you're like, okay, but they screen them, right? I was assuming. Remember, I was. And, I was kind of assuming it sarcastically. Remember, I was saying, let's assume... My my point was this. Let's assume they jab a needle on everyone before they release them and give them vaccines. But there's no way, given that it takes several weeks to exhibit certain symptoms, that even the people that have the symptoms are... But they're not, you know, they don't have... They're not exhibiting them. There's no way we're screening that out. And I said also, I pointed out that there are diseases that there are no vaccinations for, right? Um, Chagas, uh, dengue fever, malaria, chikungunya, and Zika. I don't think malaria does either, frankly. Yeah, malaria malaria doesn't, yeah. There's no vaccine for malaria. We don't have it here. We eradicated it. So, like... You are letting in thousands of people straight from the jungles. Like, dude, that's that's a big problem. That's a big problem. That, that that's like straight up a violation of our entire history. So this is not even speculation. We know this is happening. And we know that in Tijuana, according to the Tijuana Health Department, when that caravan from Honduras came last fall, the, the largest one, they reported that one-third of the caravan, caravan migrants who stayed in the region were treated for health issues including TB, HIV, chickenpox, lice, skin infections, and hepatitis. Fast forward to today, and this Border Patrol agent almost laughs at me. He's like, we don't give vaccines. Are you kidding me? We don't do any of that. We don't do that. He's like, that's what, you know, HHS might do that, but we don't do that. But I'm like, aren't you releasing them? Well, he's like, well, ICE is doing most of it. We we do release, he said very clear, but not such a large percentage. Now, I spoke with... um. 
Mark Morgan today, and he he pointed out to me, he said, that guy was probably telling you a California perspective where it's not as inundated, so it's still enough of a pace that they could turn them over to ICE. But in Texas, he says, they're absolutely, Border Patrol is directly releasing. So I now have that straight up, that when Border Patrol releases, I have that confirmed, there are no vaccines. And he was almost laughing at me, like, of course they don't do it. I guess I should have known that. But it's worse than that. You might hear Border Patrol talking about health screenings and how they're spending so much time sending them to hospitals and screening and this and that. You know, to the extent that Brian Hastings, the head of Border Patrol operations, said on Tuesday that since December 22nd, Border Patrol has spent over a hundred thousand agent hours at hospitals or medical facilities. Okay? They refer on average 63 people per day for additional medical treatment. But the way this guy explained to me, that's not a screening for America. We do health care for the illegals There's two types of screenings. There's one for the purpose of the illegal and there's one for the purpose of Americans. What do I mean by that? They don't care about Americans. And again, I'm not, when I say they, I don't mean the agents. I mean, you know, the political powers that are forcing certain policies on them. This guy was very demoralized. They just care about the illegals not dying. And look, I don't want anyone to die in where we could save someone. We want to save someone. We don't want anyone to get needlessly sick if we can help it. But they're just terrified of having someone die on their watch. So they screen them. Do you have but but they don't screen them in terms of like Ellis Island, we will not let you in because we don't want you to harm Americans. It's are you bothered now? Do you have the flu now? Um, do you have fever now? Do, is, do you have a, a rash now? Do you have is there anything you would like to get medical attention? And inevitably, some of them are, and they come, and they send them to hospitals. And that's a whole other story that we're exposing our hospitals to this garbage. This should be done in a tent city, but whatever. But it's worse than that. Anyone who doesn't speak up doesn't get referred, and they get released. There's no screening. He was like, there's no screening. I mean, they're not doing blood. There's no screening if the guy... um, You don't know if he's carrying... He was like, mom? So we wouldn't know if he's carrying that. If you see the blotches on him right then then maybe but but you know it takes weeks to exhibit these symptoms they could be communicating all these diseases they don't know it if they're not bothered for themselves think, think about the profundity it's it's a technical point that we're not screening them out but it's also philosophy that border patrol and I don't blame them I don't blame border patrol they know that our political class and our media that controls public sentiment will only be on their case about the health of the illegals, not about the dangers to the American people, that they are bringing in and releasing hundreds of thousands of people from the most disease-ridden areas, not speculative, but known where there currently are diseases and they're coming in with them. But if they don't currently see it apparently right on them, they release them. And we wouldn't know about it, and and they're not being vaccinated. Now, I will tell you, I have an email into ICE, and of course they're not getting back to me. Now I have to go to them. Well, okay, while they're in your facilities, do you... What sort of screenings do you do for diseases and how do you know you're not releasing this, you know, mumps and they're not carrying it and, you know, and do you give them vaccinations? I will tell you it is doubtful that they do that. And 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 even, even if somehow they do, I could confirm that a number of them in Texas, Border Patrol is releasing. That we know. Border Patrol is directly releasing, even without going to ICE custody. And I have that now confirmed that Border Patrol does not, absolutely does not screen for this. And they do not vaccinate. unbelievable it is unbelievable the violation of our most foundational principles we would rather commit suicide as a nation than enforce our laws if it won't be politically correct 
It is so, so sad. It really is. Again, remember, the unaccompanied teens get sent to ORR. Those are facilities with healthcare. They're there for longer. It's designed for that. Let's assume they're all taken care of. But that's only about 9,000 of the 103,000 this month. The family units are not sent to HHS. A lot of them are released by Border Patrol or they're released by ICE. The only piece of the puzzle I don't have is exactly what ICE does. I'm unclear about. But like I told you, I already know. I need to find out about vaccinations. I doubt they give them all vaccines. But even if they would, again, there is no way they are being screened out in a way that Americans are protected from them carrying these diseases. And then certainly the ones that vaccines don't help or the ones that, you know, they could be exhibit, they could be um, subject to these diseases already without exhibiting the symptoms. So those are my two points today I wanted you guys to understand because I am really, really disturbed. I find it very disturbing what is going on. You could not write any law to make things clearer to prevent this if we ourselves are going to believe we need to do this. And again, this is Trump should be holding a press conference every day or at least other high-profile administration officials. But this administration is such a dumpster fire. You need one person that has full control over the full picture of DHS. to go ahead and be the voice to articulate the legal, the policy case, the press releases write themselves. Anyway, I'm sorry to get very technical today and I wanted to move on to other issues, but I thought this was very important so you understand. It's not even a loophole anymore. We're just, we're not enforcing anything. We literally have no border. Another point to make on on this issue. This is from TexasBorderBusiness.com. Wall construction change order. A big win for the Rio Grande Valley. Four miles to be constructed instead of eight in Star County. Today, Congressman Henry Cuellar released the following statement in response to a wall construction change order issued by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers announcing that four miles of fencing will be constructed instead of the original plan to construct eight in the Star, in Star County. This is a big win for the Rio Grande Valley. I worked hard to include language through the appropriations process that would protect communities from an ineffective and divisive border wall. This change order reduces the number of miles from eight to four in Star County. In turn, this will bypass the city of La Grulla, La Grulla and in the Roma area entirely, safeguarding them from fence construction. This comes as a result of ongoing efforts to engage the U.S. Department of Homeland Security to reach mutual agreements with local communities in Star County regarding the design and alignment of border barriers. As a border representative, I understand how my constituents will be impacted by the proposed construction of a border wall. Border communities and businesses in Star County would be disrupted for years. That is why I added language in the fiscal year 2019 appropriation package to protect sensitive areas in the Rio Grande Valley and ensure that local communities have a say in determining the solutions that work for them. Remember, I told you folks that February bill, I said when they're like, oh, we won some areas of border wall. And then it had a provision there giving local officials veto power. And I said, do you understand these local elected officials in Star and Hidalgo counties are literally working for the cartels? There you have it. That is the bill that Donald Trump signed into law. I can't help it if I'm right. I call the shots and they turn out to be right. I try to you know, say it loudly enough for people to listen. That's their choice not to listen. I'm going to call them out for it. I was proven right on the border bill. Lock, stock, and barrel. 
And again, I, I want to reiterate, imagine if Trump had not given up that leverage. And we would have had a clean CR going these months where he could have leveraged the issue more. You know, he's his own worst enemy sometimes. Oh, wait a minute. You got to be kidding me. So, sorry about that. I just get an email. I got a response from ICE. Okay. They just said, oh, I just want to make sure you saw this. And then this, this is what they do. They never, they'll, they'll never answer you. So they have this 40-page PDF about their process of dealing with healthcare. And that's nice. Now, to be honest with you, I'm on the air now, so I haven't had a chance to read through it. But it's dated from 2011. Okay. So yeah, I, I understand that I trust that they had a process in place when there weren't limitations on holding them and limitations on space. Because things, I mean, 2011, remember, was that actually the lull of illegal immigration because that's when the Mexican migration largely stopped, but before the Central Americans were incentivized to come. Now it's crisis mode when they're being released within, you know, 72 hours. You mean to tell me you're, you're doing that? So I followed up with an email um, saying, look, but isn't this from 2011 when we were able to detain everyone for an adequate period of time? If many families are being released within 72 hours, are they still vac vaccinated and screened out for communicable diseases or are they only treated if they are exhibiting symptoms and ask for medical treatment? I mean, and look, this is going to be a cat and mouse game and that's how I know I'm onto something. But this this is the story. And, and the, the thing is, this is really where the media is falling down. On most issues, as you well know, I'm a conservative fighter. I'm not a journalist. But because I know so much about the border issue, and I'm trying to really report original stuff in addition to commentating on it and giving a vision for what conservatives should do about it, a policy vision, I'm trying to actually break news of what is going on I'm really starting to learn how it's not just the media bias. It's that they're so biased, it squelches their natural journalistic intrigue. I mean, saying just from any perspective, wouldn't you be interested in this? Wouldn't you want to understand this? But, um, no, nothing. Oh, by the way, Acting DHS Secretary Kevin McAleenan taps TSA head Pekoski for Deputy Secretary. I don't know who this guy is, but I'm just saying, if you're going to tap the head of TSA with the mindset that they have for the border, please. McAleenan is the problem. I don't know what to say anymore. I mean, this is just so ridiculous. Mitch McConnell, I'll work with Democrats on an immigration deal. The problem can't be solved by changing personnel. Ron Johnson's writing a letter warning against firing the chief counsel. I mean, like, they have no problem with what's going on. But Trump, I don't like what you're doing. So an another thing that's going on here. Let me let me go to something else. So right now, they, they're pulling off 545 CBP agents. These aren't border agents. These are customs agents at the points of entry to deal with the flow. So what that's doing is that's choking off commerce in a lot of areas. It's they're closing lanes. They're closing, you know, the entire Nogales point of entry in Arizona is closed to commercial vehicles on Sundays. Now there's backups, there's everything. All the industries are complaining. And um, John Cornyn puts out a statement today, the diversion of frontline CBP personnel from these ports and the threat of a possible closure in the future threatens to have debilitating of impact on the overall health of Texas's economy. You mentioned the word health. Some Texas port ports of entry have reported cross-border wait times in excess of seven hours, resulting in lost revenue and perished goods. In the coming days, many individuals on both the U.S. and Mexican sides of the border will begin to celebrate the Semana Santa holiday, a time of historically increased travel, which will result in further strains and likely increased wait times. Dude, what's your solution? I mean, he's literally diverting these guys to process catch and release. So he's not shutting down immigration as I asked. 
He's having them process it. What what do you what do you want? Like what what do you want? Their concern is only what he's doing. But again, this is really where the Trump administration is doing the worst of all worlds. If you're going to take off federal agents from from other functions, do as I as I suggested and have them hold the line and and enforce a 212F shut off of the border. So at least that will deter the invasion and it will stop and then you can have them going back. In other words, either way, the ports are going to be screwed up temporarily. You could either divert the agents to shut down the migration and then return them or you could have them further be marshaled into the processing and managing of the invasion and incentivize catch and release and this will go on forever. This is what the administration doesn't understand. You're going to incur the blowback of the collateral damage of what you're going to do no matter what you do. So you may as well shut down the illegal immigration and show the success, and then eventually you'll be able to get back to normal. Right now, they have worse than ever catch and release, worse than ever incentives, but then you're getting the blowback for what you're somewhat doing and perceived as doing. This whole thing is screwed up. And Kevin McAleenan is just going to make it worse. Look, I've been warning for two years. God is my witness. You are my witness. I've had all sorts of legislative and executive ideas. And they waited until it got so worse, and now they're still floundering. So yeah, now we're all in a tough position. But had you done this when this was still manageable, albeit increasing, had you began the pushback against the courts, it would be obvious what to do now. Anyway, I got to run because I want to get this out to you and get it produced. And got a lot more going on. Non-immigration news, hopefully we'll get to tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Hope you find this informative. That's the best we can do. Inform. Speak the truth. Email me your comments, concerns, and questions. Till next time, God bless y'all. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. 